Hello and welcome to Vikings Territory Breakdown, post-Arizona uh, Cardinals Vikings debacle in the desert. I'm uh, your co-host, uh, Joe Oberly, and, and I'm here with uh, our producer, Mike Woldham, in the background, and uh, the guy you can see, uh, Mark Craig from the Star Tribune. Uh, Mark is a uh, 19-years veteran of the uh, covering the Vikings for the Star Tribune and StarTribune.com, and he's an NFL insider for many years with a huge history behind him uh, covering the NFL. And he's the only man in town with a uh, vote for the Hall of Fame. And now that we've gotten – we've taken up the whole first segment introducing Mark and his credentials. Mark, what do you got to say? It looks like you're on a, like an episode of Life Below Zero there. Are you going to go out and kill a bear or something like that or what? Well, that's just it. You know, uh, I wanted to tell the the uh, the listeners that we have a treat for them this, this time because uh, uh, last last episode, my dog Daisy back in Fridley uh, got on the podcast. But the good news is I'm gone. I'm not at home. I'm up north in Grand Rapids with some old high school buddies and do a little golfing, doing a little uh, hiking, doing a little beer drinking. And, uh, you know, if you hear any animal noises this time, it's probably those guys. So, yeah, in the background. But anyway, um, on, to, on to the Vikings. Uh, Mark, this season seems to have gotten off the rails after two games. They they lost one uh, They lost one game that they should have won back in Cincinnati because the best player fumbled. And then they uh, surprised a, a decent team out in the desert and, and literally kicked that one away. So uh, calls for the changes of the coaching staff are increasing, and uh, even though we saw a better performance. So what do you think? What, what's going on there? What, what do you think? Well, yeah, I, uh, in tomorrow's paper, I'm going to throw a flag on Zimmer for violating the Parcells mantra. This is a Parcells protege uh, saying not once but twice in two days. You know, we're two plays from being two and zero, oh, and uh, you know Parcells, of course, popularized the the uh, the phrase "you are what your record says you are." But in Zimmer's defense, uh, I get what he's saying. Um, you know, Sunday's game was was encouraging, other than the fact that the Vikings have yet another missed field goal in their scar tissue. But the way they played in Arizona versus the way they played at Cincinnati was was night and day. The execution, the effort was so much better. I mean, Kirk Cousins was Kirk Cousins was fantastic. I don't say that a whole lot. Offensive line came off, fired off the ball, played exceptionally well. Dalvin Cook was all pro form. Defense played well enough to win. Uh, it's, it's as much fight as we've seen in that defense in a long time. Uh, and then the kicker missed, misses the kick, uh, which he should have made. Uh, if I'm Zimmer with their history, I'm maybe using those 20 or 30 seconds to get a little closer, maybe take one shot into the end zone. Um, but then again, if he if they did that and it was interception, it would have been well. Why didn't he kick the field goal? But uh, maybe I would have moved a little, tried to move a little closer. Um, but you know, it is encouraging how they play. But yes, they are zero and two. That's the bottom line, and they got a three game home home streak right now uh, coming up. So what you're saying is the season's not over yet. We don't have to stop doing the podcast forever because the Vikings are done. We can we can take a breath and we can keep going, huh? Well, I, I do agree with Zimmer if they play like this, you know, like that first half, you know, compare the two first halves. Cincinnati, it's a ten penalties, you know, uh this one was no penalties and and they played crisp and uh 
You know, they were running the ball well. The offensive line, I thought, as bad as they were in Cincinnati, they were that good in uh, – and it was also a good game plan um, with how they handled things, a little more, more help for the tackles, uh, shorter passes, quicker. Just They just move quicker. Uh, and you can do that whenever it's second and second and six instead of second and 20. Um, so, yeah, I, it's if they play like this, they will win some games. You know, they're going to win some games, but they – the key now is to get a win or two before it gets to 0 and 3, 0 and 4, and then it just kind of goes off the rails. But it's not off the rails yet. Um, they can win some games. They can certainly beat Seattle at home. Uh, if you know that, that that first time they've had a home crowd in in two years, uh, yeah, I mean, it can get back on the rails as quickly as it goes off the rails. That's the NFL. Well, let's start with a little bit what went right for the Vikings on Sunday. Uh, Kirk Cousins, you mentioned him, and he did have a good game, 22 of 32 for 224 and three scores and no pick. He has no turnovers this year and a 122.4 rating. He played uh, He played right along with a dynamic uh, Tyler Murray and led his team on a near-perfect final drive to set up the win. But once again, it's the same result, the loss. Uh, we finally give Kirk a pass on this one, but he played a really good game. Yeah, he played. He played an outstanding game, uh, I think, uh, and he, he had time. I mean, the uh, things worked around him. Um, the offensive line gave him time to throw. He actually outrushed uh, Kyler Murray. He had thirty-five yards rushing. Uh, <laughs> he, he made two runs for thirty-five yards. You know, um, the touchdown pass to Jefferson was a was a Kyler Murray type play. I mean, who who I can't believe I'm even saying that about. He rolls to his left. Buys time, ducks a, ducks a defender, and that allows Jefferson to you – know, he can't cover Justin Jefferson for five, six seconds or whatever it was. He escapes out to the corner of the end zone, and Kirk hits him. So Kirk Cousins played a fantastic game. The offensive line played a fantastic game. Dalvin Cook was uh, – hopefully he's uh, – he took a lot of wear and tear in that game. Uh, hopefully he's he's healthy for this week. Um, but, yeah, the, the offense was uh, really, really good. Yeah, we got to see more of that from Kirk, no matter what. You know, he's got to keep playing that consistent, and and uh, and things are going to get better. You know, you mentioned the offensive line, and they had one of their better games that they've had in a long time. You know, they eliminated the penalties from last week, like you said. They opened up plenty of room for Delvin, and they only allowed one sack. You know, big, even bigger than that, they neutralized Chandler Jones. So, do you think, Mark, is this a sign for the future? Can they? I mean, you say if they continue to play, but can they? Is is this is this the real line here? Or is it an anomaly? You know, or and last week was what we're to, to, to explain. Yeah, I think one time one thing that people like us lose sight of when we're jabbering on about this stuff is the emotion that these guys play with. After that Cincinnati game, I, the impression I got of the offensive line was that they played pissed off. They played as if like, hey, you know, we're better than that. We're tired of hearing that we're garbage. Uh, I'm sure Zimmer and offensive coaches uh, lit a fire under them. I mean, uh, they're professionals, but they're still human beings. And they came out and they were, they were, they played extremely hard, I thought. And uh, if they can keep doing that, uh, they're going to get results like that. If they, if they keep playing like the, if they go back the way they played in Cincinnati, where it's false starts left and right and holding penalties left and right and guys are on their back getting run over, um, playing too high, not playing hard enough, um, then it, then it goes back the other way. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's like 17 individual seasons uh, with this with this league. And, um, you know, they're going to be at home, so I would imagine they're, it's going to be a good effort based on how they played in uh, 
in Arizona. You're right. Uh, you know, emotion has so much to do with it. I'm a proponent of that, you know, focusing on that in football because it, it requires that. But uh, did Scheme have a little bit to say with how the offense, you know, took care of Chandler Jones and and, and kept uh, Kirk clean? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you look at it, I think it was, uh, you know, overall uh, like 27 runs, 32 passes. It was, it was very well balanced. Um, there was a lot of uh, like on the touchdown pass to – uh, to KJ Osborne to start the game, um, Conklin's over on the um, left side helping the tackle. He's actually blocking Chandler Jones at that point. There was a lot of, uh, you know, Chandler Jones is here, so they throw it over his head quick, or they they go to the other side because Chandler Jones, especially earlier in the game, was going you know right side to left side, back and forth. Uh, seemed like he settled more over the left tackle toward the end of the game, um, but uh, they they there's quick passes. Uh, help uh, uh, whether it was a tight end or, or CJ ham chipping him or even the KG Osborne going out for a pass. He's, he's nudging him or chipping him before he goes out on his pattern. So yeah, the, the game plan was so much better for, for a, a pass rusher uh, like that. And JJ Watt on the other side, I don't even remember hearing his name. So uh, they had a good plan um, and a, and real good execution. And it was um, crisp execution because there was, wasn't any penalties until I think the, you know, uh, first one was O'Neal midway through the third quarter, fall started or something. Um, so it was just a real crisp, uh, both from the planning standpoint and the execution, I think. We get to credit uh, Clint Kubiak with a good game then. I think so. I think it was a good, I think it was a good game. It was a winnable game against a, you know, the Cardinals. Uh, I don't know how many people picked them to make the playoffs. I know they're in a, an incredibly tough division, but that was my surprise team. I had them, uh, getting a wild card, maybe the sixth, fifth or sixth wild, you know, wild card or the first or second wild card spot. Um, that's a good team. I mean, that's, that's a very, very talented team that added this Rondale Moore who a rookie second round draft pick, who's given them, you know, a lot to that offense. And then uh, the, the, the tight end from Minnesota. I mean, uh, that guy looks like he's about 12 feet. He looks like Paul Bunyan out there. Uh, uh, so I, they, they've got a very, very talented offense and uh, and a very, very talented defense. Uh, we talked about this dude last week, but K.J. Osborne uh, shined again as the wide receiver three at five receptions for 91 yards and a score. And um, I, I, I kind of wanted to let him in there. I mean, he's doing everything they ask. But, you know, then here's 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 the negative side of it for me. How – how long before Justin Jefferson gets impatient for more emphasis in his game and his targets? Well, yeah, I know you, you've said that, but, uh, you know, he still had 10 targets, the yes, most in the game. Um, still had six catches, um, still scored. As long as receivers can find the end zone and do their little dances, they tend to be happy. So, yeah. um, you know, I think, uh, you know, it, it – this Osborne's going to get opportunities because of Jefferson being a superstar. When you're a superstar, you get extra attention. Um, the, the, the long touchdown to Osborne was basically him. Run, you know, they, they blew the coverage. The corner got caught looking in the backfield and Kirk just, you know, dropped it in his bread basket on the way to the end zone. Um, but this guy continues to impress me with how he made another really tough catch of a hard thrown ball in the third quarter mm-hmm. or, on third or fourth, third down late in the game. Um, so he, you know, like the, the one, he, the fourth down catch that he made in Cincinnati, it's a bullet and it's like point blank and he catches it for the first down. So 
Yeah, we're seeing uh, if, if this guy continues at this pace, it's only going to be better for, you know, as you saw, Thielen scored again um, and Jefferson. Jefferson yeah. scored. So it's uh, it helps him. doesn't hurt him. Here was my biggest of the week. Daniil Hunter, three sacks, four hurries, seven tackles. What did you think of that performance? Is he back from his uh, uh, year off with the neck injury? I and mean, that was that was fun to watch again to see him in the backfield and harassing Kyler Murray, the guy that quick. Oh yeah, yeah, he's he's back for sure. I mean, uh, not only three sacks uh, in the one sack is in the fourth quarter. It's, it would have been a game-turning play. Uh, it was a game-turning play. The game just turned back the other way. Um, but he also had a tackle. You know, this is Kyler Murray. This is the this is the fastest guy in the league, I think, and a guy that's probably the most escapable guy in the league. Uh, it's kind of funny when you go from Kyler Murray to Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson looks like the slow guy. So um, he had a tackle for no gain uh, when Murray was trying to get out. Um, Murray also, you know, I know that they blew contain a few times. That Stephen Weatherly rushed too shallow, and they got the seventy-seven yard touchdown. But there were also a lot of rushes uh, where Murray. Couldn't get around Daniel Hunter. Um, Hunter didn't have any stat on the play, but it stopped him. Uh, I think there's three or four balls where he threw the ball away. They tried a flea flicker that uh, normally would catch a team off guard, uh, but Murray had to scramble to his left and throw the ball away. So, you know, it's, it's weird saying this about a guy who threw for 400 yards against you, but I think defensively they played pretty well against this guy, uh, and he still gets 400 yards passing. Um, yeah, there were some breakdowns, but I think overall they got to be happy with how they played the guy. I agree. I, th- I thought the defensive line, uh, especially interior, played a little bit better. You know, they uh, they contained Murray from, and that was my biggest fear going in him getting out outside the tackles and out of the box and down the field. And uh, they kind of kept him in check. There was some, some rushing, uh, stopping issues, but I think they played together. And I think I think they're going to build too. When you say that, they're going to keep building on what they're doing and get be- a little bit better each week. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, in saying that they did well against him, he still did some Kyler Murray things, you know, yes. the, um, outside the pocket. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the quarterback draw, um, you know, he's, you know, Harrison Smith, you could say, is a little late in coming up to get him. But my goodness, it's like at some point you got to give the other side credit because it's Kyler Murray at a full sprint for the end zone and, and Harrison's trying to come up and it's too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he has a rushing touchdown. He had a nine-yard run on a third and six. So, yeah, he got his plays, but I think overall, you know, they played you know pretty well against him, and it's a, it's a good sign if they play that way because they have another have yet another guy coming in that can do right. similar things. Yeah, I want to talk about the secondary a little bit. Like I said, 29 to 36 for 400 yards and three touchdowns for Murray. So they had a tough day, and one in per- person in particular was Mr. Breeland for the second week in a row had Got uh, got tortured a little bit. We saw Cam Dantzler come in at the end of the game and make a play. Um, is that are we going to see more Dantzler going forward in, and left of Breland as what's as a result of what we've seen? I think we might. I think Zimmer made reference to the Dantzler practice better. Um, you know, my sense is that Dantzler's got uh, some, you know, maybe some like like Mackenzie Alexander and some of the other younger corners under Zimmer. Maybe there's a little attitude adjustment that needs to be done because um, he's made some references to some how he practiced and doesn't want to play spe- or has mentioned that he needs to play special teams in order to get, you know, uh, to dress on Sundays. 
Um, yeah, I could see. I mean, they're picking on Breland. It's obvious. Um, and Dantzler did have a nice uh, – he did celebrate one where uh, the, the receiver dropped the ball. I thought that was a little <laughs> extreme. Um, but then he did have a nice play, I think, on A.J. Green in the end zone. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, he's a good player. He's uh, He's got a lot to learn. Uh, but, yeah, if, if – if, you know, they're going to be thinking about, you know, because Breland's getting picked on. I mean, the guy that's looking great is is uh, Peterson because he's not really being challenged. And I think there's only one pass where he that he gave up when Murray was scrambling all over the place and, and uh, Hopkins escaped into the corner of the end zone and, and scored. Um, but other than that, they they two teams have just left Peterson alone because they know they can go to the other side. Yeah. Yeah, something's got to give there. Another thing that didn't go right uh, after a great week by the special teams last week, they laid a goose egg on Sunday, 32-yard punt, a missed extra point, and, of course, ride white on 37-yard potential game winner. Um, where do we go from the special teams? I know you wrote a bit, a little bit about it this week in the Star Tribune about uh, Zimmer and his, what he thought of his kicking game. What, 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 what can you tell us about that performance? Well, I also didn't like the decision to squib kick. I know that they uh, before the half. Yep. I know that you're trying to get some time off the clock, but the way the squib went up the middle, the guy fields it at the outside the twenty and gets to the thirty-four before he gets tackled. And it's like, you know, they the on the other side is Matt Prater. I mean, sixty-four yards is his range. I mean, he's fifteen years into the league, but he still has the record for longest field goal in the history of the league at sixty-four yards. You know that he's going to be. He, he doesn't have to go very far to to give him a chance to to uh, take the take the lead at halftime. So, I would have just. I mean, uh, Joseph is an automatic touchback. It seems if he wants to kick it out of the end zone, he does. Uh, I would have gone with putting him back farther that rather as opposed to giving up. You know, having him take four seconds off the clock. Um, so yeah, I didn't like that special teams. I didn't. D.D. Uh, Westbrook fielding the punt at, uh, inside is, I believe it was inside the five. Right. Or, Six yard line, and you know he's going to be an exciting punt returner, I think. But in that situation, maybe you you let it bounce uh, and hope for the uh, the touchback. So I didn't like that. Uh, and then Joseph is a straight is a maddening guy because you know last week he hit the game tying fifty three yarder as regulation uh, ended, and then he hits two fifty two yarders. Uh, but when that pressure was cranked up, you know he. He didn't. He didn't do it. So it's gonna be really interesting to see going forward because I think this team is gonna be playing a lot of shootouts and they're gonna need their kicker at the at the end of games. And also they need to, you know, you could just tell when they missed that extra point that they were gonna be chasing that the whole game, and and that that bothered them, that haunted them the entire rest of the game. You know, you mentioned the squib kick and the guys that I watched the game with, that was a point of consternation. We were struggling with that. What, you know, it just, we were saying clock versus yardage. What, what's the thought process there? But so I agree with you. But uh, even more so, and you touched on this earlier, that last drive, they were moving. Cousins was dealing. He really was. And I don't know how many, often I've ever said that. They were moving up the field and, and they had 40 seconds left. They had plenty of time, a timeout left. And they just let it walk out or drain off the clock and kick the field goal. I it, was that a reaction to last week, and we're afraid that they're going to fumble or something bad's going to happen because they were they were. I thought they were moving against the gas defense, the defense that they'd kind of put on their heels for most of the game, and certainly on that drive. What did uh, what what did you what do you think went into that decision? I mean, you, you know, you got to kind of read with the tea leaves with with Zimmer. Yeah. What do you think there? 
Yeah, I think if you're afraid in that situation, you shouldn't be paying your quarterback thirty some million dollars. I mean, right. frankly, you know that's what they pay him for. It, he hasn't proven to be that type of quarterback a lot. <clears throat> um, but you know they're, they're playing a team that had six sacks the week before. I mean, Chandler Jones had two forced fumbles. One was a touchdown, and one was a, a, a turnover. Good point. Um, they were they were you know controlling that defense, and they were marching on that defense, and. Uh, you know, I, I keep playing if 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 I'm them. Um, Zimmer liked where they were, and you know, he the way he explained it, it's a they're indoors. The kids kicking great, perfect surface. Um, you know, it's it's he liked the kick, um, so that was his decision. Uh, you know, I don't blame him. I blame the kicker. You know, the kicker should have made that kick. Um, but I, if I'm him, I, I go for more yardage. Yeah, so do I. I guess that's but then, then again, like you said, you know, last week they lose a fumble. So I guess you know we'll never know what would have happened. I just know the way that game was going. I I would have been like, hey, let's let's you know what let's try and finish this before the kicker has to as a chance to miss. You're right, and and like you said earlier, they're human. Those things never quite leave your head. You know that that loss last week, you know that fumble. So that that maybe that that doesn't uh, inform it somehow. But we'll take a break here now after that, and uh, put that game behind us and look ahead to the Seahawks coming next week. So we'll be right back on the uh, Vikings territory uh, breakdown. <clears throat> All right, we're back. We're back looking forward to the Seahawks. But before we do that, uh, we have to look back again. I really enjoyed your story, Mark, in the Star Tribune this week on the first Vikings uh, victory, their first game they ever played. And they upset the uh, – and they, they were the champion Bears, I think, the defending champion Bears. And the Vikings upset them with Tar- Fran Tarkin at the helm. Um, I was I didn't see the game, but I was alive for the game. <laughs> I was not alive. I can't say that about many games, but I was not alive for that game. Yes. Uh, I just want to ask a few quick questions. You know, how did you find the research for that story? Because it's nice for me to have that on record. I thought it was great to see that story in the paper so that there's, I'm sure there's plenty of fans that don't even know about that. That was a big deal back then. And I think it it was one of those things that set the Vikings on, you know, their fandom and kind of that base that uh, everybody can look back to in the early days. So it was nice to have that on record. What did you think uh, or how how did you find the research on that? How was that? Well, first of all, the Bears were not the defending champions. The champions were the Eagles and uh, coached uh, quarterback by the Vikings uh, 1961 uh, head coach, Norm Van Brocklin. Think about this. Van Brocklin goes from MVP and uh, and winning the, the the 1960 championship to becoming a head coach at 34 years old, It'd be like if Aaron Rodgers was head coach of uh, the Browns right now or something. So, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as the research, Joe, I, I I probably have spent more time in the the 60s of the NFL than I have in the 2020s or 10s. A um, lot of a lot of historical pieces. I just enjoy I enjoy the history of the NFL. Uh, you know, I, you know, from Cleveland, so I always enjoyed the history of the Browns, came here and started doing Hall of Fame stories. A lot of this stuff that was in that story I've talked to about uh, with guys, uh, Jim Marshall and Fran Tarkenton and, and Dave Osborne and, and guys like that. Uh, you know, I just really enjoy their stories because they're so, it's like the, the essence of the NFL. The, um, you know, today is, it's such a whitewashed, uh, scrubbed up 
sterile league uh, when guys talk most of the time. And back then, you know, talking to the guys about how it was back then is just kind of refreshing for me in that just the stories that they're able to tell. And one of my favorite stories is about they're talking about Storm and Norman, you know, Norm Van Brocklin and his his volatility and how much he just cussed at him and called him all kinds of names and just how he was this, you know, hard drinking, fist flying guy. And there was a, uh, a situation on this. It wasn't in this game, but an example of his volatility was there, a call went against the Vikings and he was all, he was so upset and he was trying to get the official's attention. And he's running down the field and the guy wouldn't turn. And so he, he Norm Van Brocklin always had coins in his pocket, always jingling these coins nervously. So he take, takes out a handful of coins and throws it at the official to get his attention. So uh, that might have got you fined, I think, in today's NFL. Uh, but as far as that game, I mean, it was, it was a great upset. You know, Fran Tarkin calls it the greatest ups, upset in the history of the NFL. I don't know if it's that extreme, but it was a ragtag group from Minnesota coached by a, an inexperienced coach going up against, you know, Papa Bear Hallis and the Bears. And, uh, and George Hallis was, you know, mostly responsible for, the, for Minnesota getting an NFL team. They had already accepted an AFL team, backed out and, and took the NFL offer. So, uh, and then Tarkenton doesn't start in the game. They give George Shaw the start. Tarkenton comes in and has a, I mean, he was, he was Kyler Murray before Kyler Murray was Kyler Murray. I mean, he, he was the first guy. Nobody was doing that in 1961, running around the way that uh, all older Vikings fans and, and myself, I remember Fran, I mean, obviously watching Fran Tarkenton and he was just, uh, it was, it was just something you didn't see before. Everything was Johnny Unitas, uh, you know, the, the, the stoic guy who never left the pocket. Uh, Norm Van Brocklin was that way. I, I didn't see him play, but, um, you know, then along comes this, this, this little guy that's running all over the place. And he did that in that first game as well as he ever did it in 18 years of playing, that, playing the position. And they won the game 37-13. You know, I, I wanted to ask you um... – but I kind of know if just from reading it, the answer to the question, if the guys that you talked to enjoyed talking about it. I, I love that quote from Jerry Reichow when he's talking about, he, you know, he first was a quarterback. I, th- I thought he was going to be a quarterback for the Vikings. Then he's sent out on a pass pattern and he runs his route and he turns, oh, the ball's not coming. Then he sees Fran running around. So he, he continues to get open. I thought that was a great thing. But it just sounded like these guys were enjoying reliving this game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it's it's also it's pre, you know, obviously way, way, way pre-internet. It's like now information. Everyone knows everyone within three seconds of what you know, we we know who everyone is. We know, but here's a guy that's coming uh, from from the Eagles. Got just got traded for that week. He knows George Shaw, so he's like, I didn't think much of George Shaw. So, so right, Kyle, former backup quarterback in the NFL in college, thinks, Hey, I'm going to go to Minnesota and play quarterback. He goes, I didn't know who Fran Tarkenton was. And, you know, and Tarkenton was the third round draft pick. Although back in the back in the day, third round, he was also the 29th overall pick. So there were much many fewer, much fewer teams. So he says, well, you know, we, we jog, I jog in with Tarkenton for the first time because uh Van Brocklin looked over and said, Go, you guys get in the game. So they go running in the game, and then he he doesn't know Fran Tarkenton. Probably probably had practiced with him one time. Uh and then he's like, oh, I I he goes after that game. He goes, I, I, I kind of knew I was going to be a receiver the rest of the rest of my career. So yeah, it's yeah. They, they I think guys, I like talking to these guys about these old games, and uh, I think they enjoy reliving it and uh, just a fun time in the in the league. You know, 
the games, uh, and Bud Grant always says this, uh, he gives credit to, to today's game being, you know, obviously a, a better game as far as, um, you know, just the athletes and everything. Although I think I'd put Carl Eller in any era, you know, there's certain guys where you'd put, you know, I think the Vikings had us had some guys that could play in any era. Um, but, uh, it is fun. It was, it's a, it was a great time for the league and, um, really enjoy those, uh, that era. Yeah, it was great. It was a fun read. I really enjoyed it. Congrats to you. you. And, uh, you know, the Vikings don't have a uh, Super Bowl victory, but they do the unexpected from time to time. They will surprise you in it even from week to week. Um, speaking of week to week, next week is Seattle and another huge threat to the Vikings who really can't afford to go 0-3. And they're going to see another mobile quarterback uh, who's a good passer as well and a great uh, quarterback mind. Um a decent running game with Chris Carson and a very difficult set of receivers to cover in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockhart. What will the secondary do with that next week? Yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully it'll be better than the, the last drive of last year's game, right? Uh, but, you know, they should be better than they were last year. I mean, last year they were hanging on with the, with the rookie corners, and uh, that was, I think, the game where – Harrison Smith was just exasperated by how things were going and, and they with the the tweet of his close up of his face like cam do your job you know um so you know Russell Wilson has their number obviously um the receivers are so diverse and they're just so different and, and hard to defend but it's in Minnesota I think I think they've gone to Seattle like 52 years in a row or something like that uh, so they're in they're they're at home in the first game, you know, since the pandemic is, uh, or the, the stadium is not closed to fans. So really loud crowd, which, uh, and they also have Daniil Hunter now. So, you know, to me, it's not so much that what the secondary can do, it's what the pass rush can do. Uh, if they get after Russell Wilson uh, and, and they have, and Daniil has a game like he had last week, different ball game than what we saw at the end of last year's game where, you know, Russell Wilson takes him down the field and scores and wins the game. How about the other side of the ball? Can the Vikings move move it move against them? They I mean, they got Dalvin Cook going the offensive line. If we get the good game out of them next week, like we had, and protect Kirk, uh, they they could score some points against these guys, couldn't they? Yeah, it looked like you know, Dalvin took a hit on his ankle by JJ Watt late in that game. It'll be interesting to see how he does this week. Uh, what his health is like. If he's healthy, uh, you know, I would expect big things from the offense because. You know, Seattle was was leading the the Titans at home, uh, thirty to sixteen in the fourth quarter, and then I think they gave up a sixty yard touchdown run to Derrick Henry. They gave up over two hundred yards rushing. Uh, Henry had one hundred and eighty two yards rushing, three touchdowns. Uh, so yeah, if Dalvin Cook's healthy and that offensive line plays the way it does, they can run the ball. And if they can run the ball, then Kirk's going to be protected better. And I think that, yeah, I think it's a winnable game. I haven't quite – I'm leaning toward picking the Vikings just because they're at home. The way they played last last week, uh, the fact that Seattle struggled against the run. But I would uh, I would think they would win this game. Wow. Well, what if the unthinkable happens? I mean, the Vikings <laughs> wow. are kind of a reaction team where, you know, they, they, have, they put up a stinker and then they come firing back, which they just did. Now, after you know playing that great game and not being rewarded for it, your emotions are going to be down a little bit. If they go three and zero and lose the home opener, are the calls for Zimmer's head just going to increase to a fever pitch? And 
What What do you think? Well, yeah, people will always call for it. I think if they win the game, people will call for you know, <laughs> certain, you know, that's just kind of the nature of you know the excitement of the NFL is the as, as fans is you know this guy needs to be fired, this guy needs to be hired. Uh, so yeah, if they lose, certainly, certainly it'll be zero and three, and uh, I don't know. Were they 0-3 last year? I can't remember where they got that win, but I think I think they're 0-4. Yeah, 0-4. So 0-4 last year, 0-3 this year. Um, you know, they they were able to dig themselves out last year to get back to six and six. I don't think people uh yeah. Well, there was a lot of probably a lot of people that weren't happy with that last year. They wanted to like we need the draft pick now. now why are you winning games? Uh but I think as far as like uh, not them not getting rewarded for that uh, that game last week, it's still early enough. If they were, if that had happened and they were zero and now they're zero and four, zero and five, I would say, you know, stick a fork in them. But I think it's still early enough. They're not getting rewarded for that is, I think they still are at a high level emotionally. And I think the way they played defensively last week, I, you know, throw out the numbers that they played well enough that, um, I think that it, it shows that they're still listening. To, that Zimmer has not lost the team, as some people would say. Uh, and I think offensively, they could be even better than they were last year. And defensively, they should be much better than they were last year. Uh, but they got now. Then they got to get some wins now. And I think this week they, uh, I think they win this week, and it, it becomes kind of a different mindset next week. And as far as calling for Zimmer's head, we learned uh, from a story from you a couple weeks ago that uh, Zimmer doesn't give a rip what anybody says. He's just keep doing his thing. Right. I mean, if, if I'm 65 years old and I, you know, got a pretty good reputation and uh, been in the NFL for 27 years or whatever it is, I, I don't really worry about what people are tweeting or because what's the worst that can happen? You know, you you get fired and you be, you become a consultant and your life gets slows down and you're a grandfather and you got 300 acres in Kentucky. I mean, he's already he's not on his way up in the twilight of his year. So I wouldn't be worried if I was him either. Well, that's a good place to take a break because uh, these dudes are all of a sudden going swimming in the lake and it's just not a pretty sight. I need to take I need to look somewhere <laughs> else for, for the moment, but uh, um, we'll, we'll be right back uh, with, with more of the, uh, with the Vikings territory podcast and a look at the other stories inside the NFL this week. And we're back. Mark, our NF, Mark Craig is our NFL insider. And, you know, every week in the NFL, it's just it's another story and another game, and or I should say another week with all kinds of games and all kinds of stories. And I know that uh, you've got a number of them you like to talk about. Uh, so what, you know, maybe we could start with the Packers. That's a good talker for this for this audience. What, what did you think of that game Monday night? I was not able to see it, kind of watching it online and see how it was going. A lead at half, or there would be Packers were behind at halftime, and then they came charging back and looked like the Packers of old. Would you say? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know if it's the Packers of old. I'd still be a little concerned. I mean, we're um, gonna have to do a lot more than that uh, to get me to uh, believe in my Super Bowl pick again. Um, I thought the defense has got some issues that uh, you know may not go be going away. I mean, I, you know, Jerry Goff looked. I thought looked outstanding in that first half and early in the third quarter. Um, there was hardly any pressure on him, um, which is surprising. I mean, the Packers got some good pass rushers. You know, um, the offense, I'm, I'm, I'd be happy with the offense because they, they, they stepped, put their foot on the gas and did what they were supposed to do in the second half, what they should have done in the first half. 
Um, they go to they go to San Francisco now and play a primetime game. That's uh, that could be a loss. Mm-hmm. I think win that game before people can get back to the level of excitement uh, of what they were going into the season. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'd be happy if I'm a Packers fan about the offense. I wouldn't. I'd be a little concerned about the defense. Are uh, the Lions did a Lions thing in that game by you know taking the lead and losing? Are they the Lions even with the new quarterback? I don't you know I I don't think they're going to be the same old Lions. I mean it'll take a while, but uh, that first half that did not have a Lions feel to it. And you know I know they came back. I, I did not watch last week's game where they came back against the 49ers and scored thirty three. Maybe it's all garbage points or whatever. But um, you know I think the. You know the, the offensive line looked pretty good, and if and Goff looked, you know, if he gets protection, Goff could be a a, a decent player. So I, you know, I, I don't see it this year, but I, I think maybe they might be heading in the right direction. I think certainly that uh, under this guy, it seems to be better than than the last coach. I mean, I I think he was kind of a disaster from the start, and they stuck with him too long. Uh, you sent me this stat, and I kind of liked it. Got to read it here. 20 of the 32 games have been one-score games in the fourth quarter. 10 have been decided by three or fewer points, and three have gone into overtime. And of course, the Vikings are right in the thick of it with two games decided by a total of four points. Comment yeah. on that, Mark. That, that, that's pretty interesting, huh? Yeah, it kind of goes back to what I said about, you know, like Parcells and you are what you what your record says you are. But, you know, Zim twice has said that, uh, you know, they're within two plays of being 2-0, and oh, and – you know, I think a lot of teams could say that. Almost every team that loses anymore could say, you know, one play here, one play there. That's you know, two plays, and it's a different ball game. Um, I mean, you're seeing not only that, you're seeing games decided after the final buzzer. It's like that uh, the Washington game. You know, they kick the 48 yard field goal. Time runs out. No good. Giants win. No wait. There's an offsides penalty on that Lawrence guy, so they line up and kick a 43 yarder with no no time on the clock, and they and Washington wins the game. So, I mean, you're seeing that a lot. I mean, uh, the the Cowboys win with a 56 yard walk off field goal. Now, last week, um, or the, to beat the Chargers in in Los Angeles, last week Zerline same kicker makes a 48 yarder with a minute something left but it leaves too much time for Tom Brady and they go down and, and, um, and their kicker, Ryan Suckup makes, makes the kick. So it's, you're just back and forth, back and forth. Um, you know, I think McCarthy kind of got, uh, got lucky in that he claims that he, cause there was like 20 seconds that ran off the clock before they kicked the 56 yarder. And um, McCarthy was asked, well, why don't you try and get a little closer? And he's like the clock that he was looking at on the board went out. So they couldn't find where the game, where the, where the clock was. And 20 seconds roll off before they finally rush in. Someone rushes in and says, hey, here's four seconds, time out. So, yeah, you're seeing this all over the league and a lot of exciting games. I mean, it uh, doesn't get any more exciting than Lamar, the way Lamar Jackson played both good, both bad and good to come back and beat Patrick Mahomes for the first time and, and beat the, uh, the Chiefs 36-35 in Baltimore. I mean, that was a great you know game that's going to be decided by one or two plays. Uh, so yeah, a lot of exciting games in the league. This is just uh, just what the NFL ordered. Um, you know, games like that are just going to keep fueling uh, fantasy football and betting and the excitement and the fandom. It's 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 great for the league and it's great fun for us to watch it. I like this note you passed along. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater's two and zero. How about that? 
Yeah, you could say you know the, the detractors would say they haven't beaten anyone, but uh, hey, they're two. They're one of seven teams that are, are two and zero. Oh. One of only two in the AFC that are seven and zero. Oh. Uh, the other one, two and zero. Oh. The Raiders. I mean, the Raiders are a surprise team. I mean, look what the Raiders have done. They've they've beaten you know Baltimore and Pittsburgh, uh, and beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. Uh, Derek Carr, who everybody seems to always on top of him you now criticizing him is probably the MVP two week front runner uh, just by the way he has played close to 900 yards passing in two weeks, beating two, two of the better teams in the league uh, with one of them win on the road. So the Raiders are looking good. You know, the, the, uh, the NFC has uh, what five, two and O teams. So, you know, that's anybody's, I mean, and this week we have, you know, coming up, you got the, uh, Tampa Bay going out to to Los Angeles to play the Rams. You got Tom Brady against the thing Tom Brady hates the most, which is pressure up the middle from like an Aaron Donald. So that's going to be a great game to watch. You know, you said it earlier, it's a week-to-week league. You got to always remember that. And nothing exemplifies that more than uh, Derrick Henry. Again, yeah, on the second half, just, you know, what, 182 yards and three TDs. I got to mention it because – he he went from last week from the doormat to this, and he's on my fantasy team, and so I, I was smiling throughout that. So it, 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 anything can happen from week to week. I mean, you know, I'm hoping that you know the Vikings can kind of be consistent now, you know, with what we've seen, and I don't I don't know if we will, but that's this. You never know what's going to happen one week to the next in the NFL. Well, I think if the Viking, you know, if they play you know, penalty free like they did in that first half. Being at home, there is no reason why, you know, unless Dalvin's hurt, unless he, you know, is banged up where he can't play or he's limited, there's no reason to expect anything less than the the effort and the execution that they had last week in Arizona in a home game uh, against this, against Seattle, which just struggles against the run. So I think if they play with that same tempo, that same game plan, uh, can win the game. You know, one more note here. I got to uh, get in here because uh, we haven't talked about him, and we've got all those Bears fans that listen to our podcast. And um, you know, the Bears with the pos- with the pot with the injury to Andy Dalton could be looking at a new start- starting quarterback, and they're going against your Cleveland Browns. How do you see that one coming up this week? Yeah, it'd be interesting if <clears throat> with uh, Fields with a, a full week of practice and. You know, uh, that could be one of those upsets. Uh, I think the Browns are favored by seven and a half. Uh, I could see, you know, Fields having a great first game. Uh, I definitely could see that. Uh, he, he didn't have a great game against the Bengals. Uh, you know, neither quarterback, uh, well, although Dalton, I think, was playing well before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Fields certainly didn't have a great game. Uh, they won the game. So very excited to see him, you know, as a guy that could be another one of those faces of the NFL and would – how strange would it be to see a, the Bears have a quarterback, like a franchise-type quarterback? Just like the Browns. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll have to leave it there. You know, that uh, NFC North is still up for grab. Vikings are only one game out of first place. Yes, we yeah. first place now, right? So it's, there's still a chance. So we can hope for that for next week. But, Mark, thanks a lot, as usual. And uh, thanks to Mike behind the scenes. And, we will be back here next week to do this for 
the wrap up of the Seattle and uh, Vikings games, and hopefully uh, we'll be uh, talking about another good performance by the Purple. So, are you going to make a prediction or what? I, I predicted a Vikings win. You know, I, I'm supposed to be the guy, the crusty old, you know, objective uh, veteran here. I already, I said they're going to win. Well, I was, uh, I was, I'm over two so far. So I'm, I'm not sure I should. So maybe I better pick a, uh, I better pick a, a, a Seattle win to see uh, and that the opposite will happen and the Vikings will win. So yeah, I think the, I think that the the, the Seattle Seahawks coming off a tough loss, they're going to be as, as angry and uh, determined and emotional as the Vikings are coming off their dispiriting loss. So it's going to be a really good game. But you know that I've seen, I've seen that uh, that quarterback do some things. <laughs> Who'd you pick? I got lost. I got lost in your explanation. Who'd you pick? Seattle Seahawks in another, uh, wow. another three-point game. Yep. <clears throat> wow. It doesn't happen often, folks. I, I I don't pick against the Vikings often, especially against Mike Zimmer. I'm, I uh, I think he puts a team out there that competes. But I think next week's going to be tough. And we'll be back to break it down for you. Thanks, and uh, uh, have a great week. And we'll uh, see you then. And uh, as Joel, my, my buddy Joel used to say, skull. <laughs>